welcome to the Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And this week we have, well, we're going to start our breakdown of the end of the SCOTUS term, all of the bangers uh, that came out. And I mean that in the worst possible way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And we're also going to cover some, the role of the government in in tweeting, um, because (laughs) weirdly that has become a thing in the courts as well. But we're starting today with 303 Creative versus Alenis, which is the case about, I guess the fake case about fake gay wedding websites. But first, before we get to that, uh, Sarah, what are you eating and what's eating you? Oh God. Well, uh, yesterday I met up, so I'm on this, I'm on this kick where I got exiled from Instagram and it made me feel really disconnected from like my friends and like, uh, and then I was like, you know what, this, I need to start making a point of like enriching my friendships with people I don't know very well. So last night I went out to dinner with, of, uh, with uh, my friend Anna, who is the coolest fucking person that I never have like put the time into spending time with. Which not only do we have, it's Fo Twenty One. It's the best Vietnamese food in Indianapolis. Nice. But I had the most delicious Vietnamese iced coffee, and I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm gonna have to go to the international grocery store uh, and get some packets and really make it happen for me. Um, so can uh, you and- explain Vietnamese iced coffee for people who haven't had it? Because it is yeah. heavenly. It is uh, super strong coffee. Now, the stuff that you're going to get in every restaurant comes in a packet. And the thing is, do not knock the packet because the packet's mm-hmm. so good. It's dehydrated, uh, like espresso style coffee. Um, and we're talking about Vietnam, uh, Vietnam. So like Vietnam, Indonesia, all these places that are in the coffee growing zone have the best instant coffee products that have ever existed. Mm-hmm. You mix it up with hot water, you dump a ton of ice in it. It's supposed to be really concentrated, then you put tons and tons of ice in it, so every sip is like extra rich. It kind of tastes like melted coffee ice cream. It's just perfect. Yeah, and I think a lot of times they make it with like condensed milk or something yep. along, along those uh, lines. I, yeah. I believe that's Thai iced coffee. Okay. Uh, but, uh, but still, um, it's also one of the most delicious things ever. If you um, take... Uh, my my favorite invention, my sister hit me to this. It's Balinese iced coffee. It's where you take your mm. leftover coffee from the morning, pour it in an ice tray, and then you top it with some kind of milk or something. So as it melts, it actually gets more coffee. It's perfect. That sounds heavenly. What about you, uh, Matt? What I, I don't, I will, we will get into as usual. I will force you to talk about the things that are eating me with me. <laughs> but uh, what what are you eating? Uh, so I did enjoy the, uh, 4th of July weekend. Um, although albeit although I have a complicated relationship with yeah. my love of country right now, yeah. uh, I'm going to give a shout out to, uh, just normal summer American soft serve ice cream, oh. uh, that, uh, I had a really lovely 4th of July date and we both decided to get, we realized like, you know what, let's get some soft serve ice cream. Yes. Uh, and we're just like, I hope it's the kind that's either vanilla chocolate or squirrel and nothing else, right? And that was exactly that, and it was absolutely wonderful. I don't care about any of the commentary by, like, ice cream purists or whatever, but for pure summer enjoyment, just standard American soft serve with, like, something simple like hot fudge or sprinkles or caramel or whatever it might be. Uh, Is there anything better? (laughs) <laughs> also, there's also something to be said. We're back to like the beauty of packet food. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like all that ice cream comes in a big, you know, uh, envelope and you just kind of pour it in the top of those Taylor machines. Um, 
But like also not to be a little gross, but like there's something about the meltiness of soft serve that's like, listen, I've already watched you mouth all over this thing. Why don't you mouth all over this wet spot? You know what I mean? Uh, uh, I was going to say there is. And it's something like delightfully teenage romance about it. So like it's good stuff. And uh, (laughs) and, uh, speaking of packet food, there was one time just like to get a Korean angle. There was one time I I was trying to make pajun like the Korean scallion pancakes Mm -hmm. from scratch and they were God awful. So then (laughs) called one of my friends and it's like, well, how does your mom make the pajun? Like, how does she make it happen? Hers are amazing. He's like, mom. And then he's like, she says, just, just buy the package. (laughs) She's like, the restaurants use the package mix. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And then I did. And it was perfect. It's like, how is this ranch so good? Well, it's hidden Valley powder mixed with mayonnaise and milk, you know? (laughs) Exactly. Some things have been perfected mechanically and right. you don't need to you don't need to reinvent them. That's right. <laughs> but speaking of things we really didn't need to reinvent, um oh, God. let's move on uh to 303 Creative versus Elenis. Um so for those of you who uh have been living under a rock, uh this was decided um six to three, so it wasn't a five-four decision, it was six three. Uh, the majority opinion was written by Justice Gorsuch, um, and it essentially says that the First Amendment, the First Amendment, which I think is an interesting angle here, uh, prohibits a Colorado law which is meant to prevent discrimination, um, but in this <laughs> this law apparently overstepped so that a website designer does not need to create a web a wedding website for a hypothetical sorry hypothetical wedding website for a hypothetical uh, gay couple. They did rule actually even more expansively that basically you, the 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 website designer does not have to create expressive designs, speaking messages with which the designer disagrees. Um, Great, but Sarah, let's let's start simple. What was your initial reaction when this ruling was announced? We're back to fucking cake, right? Like we've already, you know, this is this is a, again a re-adjudication of something we've already decided a long time ago, right? Like, uh, <clears throat> so masterpiece, masterpiece cake. Back for those yeah. of you who are, you know, keeping track. Which, like, I, I mean, you know, this court has been so shameless in signaling that, like, it is going to rule along ideological lines to, you know, put forth the like, cur- like, pr- not, not. We're not, again, we're not talking about, like, traditional conservative values. We're, like, talking about, like, the, you know, screaming and shitting their pants issue du jour, which, like, there will be a new one tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, why are, Matt, why are we still doing this is my question. <laughs> well, I mean, this is weirdly an old argument. Yeah. So for those of you who want to, like, reel back to um, the civil rights era that, there, the end of segregation led to, as you can imagine, a, sl- a giant explosion of litigation yep. um, who uh, did not want to accept the end of the Jim Crow era and segregation. So there were a bunch of different lawsuits uh, by private individuals, by businesses, saying that they did not want, <laughs> as you could imagine... 
uh, to serve, to work with, uh, to to provide services in this in those cases to black individuals. Yep. And many of them sued under the First Amendment that this was freedom of speech, freedom of expression. And note that in the First Amendment, there's freedom of association, right? And so they made all of those arguments back then, and they all lost. Yep. <laughs> um, and the reason they lost was essentially that the basic principle that if you choose to do business to the public, right? And this was a case, a website design was something you do to the public. You put up a web, you hang out a shingle, in this case, a website, you're just like, hey, I make websites for other people. If you do that, then you have to serve everyone, right? Yep. Um, and you can turn down customers for some reasons. For yep. example, if someone asks you, but it has to be based not on the identity of the person, yep. but instead on something about the content that would, you wouldn't want to do. And this is obviously not the case for something like a plumber, right? Note that if you're a plumber, there's nothing that you're doing in the plumbing that would inherently endorse any message as far as I can tell, other than don't want water everywhere. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like, like, for example, there was a, a case um, where uh, there were, this is actually recently where there were um, uh, taxi drivers in Minnesota who did not, who were Muslim and did not want to serve single women, did not want to have dogs in their cars, things like that. But because they were what we consider a public accommodation, right? They're open to the public. They couldn't refuse service on those grounds over because of their religious objections. Um, uh, they, so they couldn't say, I, I, you single woman, you alone, I will not serve. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because of your single womanness, note that sex being uh, a protected class. And here, and now we have an analogous situation. We have a website designer theoretically hanging out a shingle, although we'll get to those yeah. those things in a moment. But I'm just saying the hypothetical situation is a website designer hangs out a shingle and she doesn't want to create websites for gay weddings. And... This is where the Supreme Court slices the bacon a little too fine. They claim that the the Supreme Court's argument is that the discrimination or the the denial of service is not based on who the customer is, but based on the message of the website itself, that making a a website for a gay wedding is somehow an endorsement of gay marriage. Um, And the First Amendment cannot, and the First Amendment bars the state of Colorado from compelling that uh, website designer from designing that website. But why do you think, Sarah, I think that you can probably guess, why do I think that that's slicing the bacon a little too fine? Well, I mean, okay, then like, then, then that opens up to a lot of uh, like that. It's like, okay, well, what other websites are endorsing like a message? Do you know what I mean? Like, like this opens up the proverbial massive can of worms. (laughs) Yeah. It starts to seem as if you can deny anyone for any reason. Yeah. Um, and I think the reason here becomes is that the Justice Gorsuch is trying to make a distinction between the, the message of the website for a gay, gay, gay marriage and the gay couple itself. Yeah. But Sarah, who requests wedding websites for gay, for gay couples? 
one would assume an a, a gay couple that exists in reality, right? <laughs> yeah. Like gay people, real gay people who exist who want to get married, right? Which is like apparently where this really hits quite a snag. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I just want to make that really clear: you cannot separate <laughs> in this situation the the identity of the people asking yep. for the service and the message itself. Yep. Because guess what? Straight couples ask for uh, a wedding websites for straight marriages. Gay couples ask for wedding websites for gay couples. Interracial couples ask for wedding websites for interracial couples. And there is nothing in this ruling. Actually, the ruling is written in a way that would allow someone who, say, opposed interracial marriage to yep. claim that they opposed not the people asking for it, but the message of the website. <laughs> And this is why I I wanted to start here in our rundown of the Supreme Court term, because this is the first time in in contemporary American history that the Supreme Court has found a right to discriminate within the Constitution. In fact, the entirety of the jurisprudence runs the opposite direction. And this is not a short history. We've been dealing with this for decades and for more than half a century. And over and over, the court said, it doesn't matter who it is. If someone comes to you and wants, and and, and you're a public accommodation, you're a public business, you got to serve them. You can't discriminate them based on their class. And in this case, they're saying, oh, it's not based on the class. It's based on the message. Well, the message is is inextricably bound to the class of person, but this is where the Supreme Court does, which is where Justice Gorsuch, I think, does the lawyer of the bullshit lawyer thing. Yeah. Um, there's like the phrase distinction without a difference. This is a distinction without a difference. I'm yep. not discriminating against you, the person, just the thing you're asking me to do. Well, what are you asking me to do? Make a website for my wedding. Who are you marrying? Same-sex partner. Sorry, can't do it. Not because you're marrying him. It's just I won't put it on the website. Note the logical insanity of this, that if you change the the, the gender of one of the couples, it changes – of one member of the couple, it changes the content of the website. They are literally tied together because – the content of the website depends on who's getting married. Like, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills sometimes. I don't think that this is like a big brain lawyer move I'm making here. <laughs> right? I know. I, I, like, Sarah, please tell me that this just seems obvious. You know, I don't know. I, um, I don't know how many um, right-wing personality uh, who have explicitly offended the gay community you've ever seen in real life but all i'm saying is there's a broad overlap between like hairstylists and makeup artists and the queer community and all i'm saying is um you know you can look at their helmet like hair and their stiff unblended (laughs) eyeshadow lines and know that that is the work of a straight person you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um and I wish I wish everybody luck uh, after this ruling, because if I were a queer artist, I would be like, I just want to double check to make sure that you're not going to be shoving like your Bible in my face. You know what I mean? Though, also, a side note, they posted this woman's work and shady as it is, it is the most bland. Like she does uh, uh, 
a pretty common uh, thing for uh, graphic and web artists to do is um, like car dealership ads. Mm -hmm. And she has tons of those, which is how you know that you're like bottom tier. That's like, that's where everyone starts. Her work is so shitty, so bland. (laughs) And it was posted on this meme that's like, "Um, yeah, I'm not sure she's going to have to worry about a lot of queer artists seeking her out for her work. (laughs) And this is, I think this is a good point. So the facts of this case also matter because let's move away from the substantive law because like, I'm going to be honest, the substantive law here is inconceivably stupid for the reasons that we laid out. But weirdly, if you get to the other portions of the case, the facts, it gets dumber. Yep. um, But in extremely relevant ways. So can can you run down a little bit of the background, the the factual background of this case or lack thereof? I was going to say, so it's based on this couple who is a supposed couple, right? Their names are listed in the uh, suit. And some journalists from, uh, I believe, the Washington Post um, tried to look these people up, could not find them, could not. uh, Oh, no, it was worse than that. One of them straight. Yeah. One of them like literally married to a woman. And she found him. (laughs) Yeah. And and they like he exists. He is not gay. He has never been in a gay relationship nor sought to get married to a person of the same sex like. For all, like, for all, like, very talented, capable journalists can tell, like, this couple never existed as a couple. These people might exist, but they never existed in tandem, let alone seeking a a wedding website. Yeah. Two additional fun details uh, about this individual is that, first of all, he never contacted her asking for a wedding website. That never happened. And second, he's a web designer. (laughs) Incredible. Yeah, I just want to be like excruciatingly clear here that (sighs) like it appears that when they had to put forward not just a hypothetical because they're just like, wait, who's actually asked for a website? This happened months after the initial filing. I want to make this clear. So when the initial suit was filed, there was no one who had ever asked for a website. So when they were asked for, you know, has this actually happened? Is this a real thing? As far as I can tell, they just went online and this guy, because he's a web designer, his information, contact information, name, phone number are available online. They just sort of grabbed it and said, this guy. (laughs) Um, And no one checked. No one checked. Um, And incredible times we're living in, Matt, that this was just like not looked into for just one single split second. So... Let's get back into the legal weeds here because all of these facts are are very relevant uh, because, Sarah, are you aware of the legal principle of standing? Vaguely, right? Like, mm-hmm. so uh, I know this as a layman, right? Which is like the the whole concept of standing too feels like, as I understand it, one of those like foundational, like the playing field that uh, lawsuits mm-hmm. occur on. Do you know what I mean? Um, oh, yeah. And so... Uh, I mean, there's, um, listen, I only learned this from Ali Metzi, the, um, uh, the <laughs> podcast lawyer on, um, QAnon Anonymous, but, um, as she describes it, standing is like whether or not you even have the right to bring this case in this court system or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Is that correct? Exactly. So it is a bedrock foundational principle, theoretically, maybe it used to be, and maybe it is no longer, um, 
that not only are you the right person to bring the suit, but that there is in fact, and the idea is a case or controversy, right? Is there an actual problem here in reality that the court can solve? And generally you need to prove that there was a harm and the harm happened to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. So, and that it's something that the that and that that it's something that the court can actually remedy. Because if like someone said you know said mean words to you that hurt your feelings, they called you yes. a poopy head on the playground. That's not something the court can can solve your hurt feelings. But in this case, you generally have to show what's called uh, uh, when you bring when you bring a case, you have to show that you suffered some sort of harm. And it is not what is called a generalized grievance, right? That it is a specific harm that specifically happened to you. So if I'm claiming, if I'm if I'm angry and I'm saying, yeah, no, this guy, uh, 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 let's just say defamation, right? This person uh, lied maliciously, lied in in to a third party in a way that damaged my reputation, that caused me material harm. Yep. Key point is you have to show some sort of harm. You can't yep. just be like, this is why like. If my mom says something mean to me to her boyfriend about me to her boyfriend, right? But nothing materially happens to me. I don't have a case because note that I might have fulfilled the other portions. I still don't have standing to bring the suit because there is no actual harm yeah. that the court can redress, right? There's no damage done to me. And so this is a case in which the Supreme Court fails on multiple levels <laughs> um, to address this bedrock principle. Of standing. Does she have standing? So let's go through the pieces. So is she the right person to bring this suit? Yeah. So Sarah, what might make her the right person to bring a suit like this? What might make her the right person to bring a suit like this? I mean, uh, the prop, a, a proper party before the court. What has to have happened in this I was, case, I was going to say she would have to prove that she suffered some form of loss, right? So it would be like, uh, I, I don't know. In this situation specifically, it might be like these people said that she wouldn't like make a website for her. They trashed her online. Now she's losing mm-hmm. business because they may have falsely or whatever stated that she wouldn't make them a website, yes. right? Yeah. And in Masterpiece Cake Shop, right? That's the similar case, also out of Colorado. Um, that person was sanctioned by the state's board for discriminating, for violating the state's anti-discrimination laws, clearly has standing there, right? Because remember, with civil disobedience or disobeying a law that you don't like, and we saw this during the civil rights era, they actually broke the law. And then they were incarcerated or fined or whatever. So then they could bring suit, right? Because they were proper parties before the court. It wasn't a generalized or theoretical grievance. They had a specific damage done to them by the violation of this law. So you already did more than Justice Gorsuch. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. You, you pass and he fails. Because, remember, she no one had come. Yeah. No one had come to this website designer asking for a website. So the question was purely theoretical. And in, yep. some, in some legal systems, um, the Supreme Court in those systems, the highest court, does offer what's called advisory opinions where a hypothetical situation about the law is brought before the court and they give guidance to parties and they're not binding, but they give guidance to parties and to other judges on how they think their law is going to come down. If something like this happens. Yep. 
our Supreme Court does not offer advisory opinions. It never has, and it claims it still doesn't. This is 303 Creative, I think, should be treated as just a slightly gussied up advisory opinion. And this makes me maybe a radical, but like, (laughs) I think everyone should just ignore it. I think that no one should treat this as precedent because it is fatally flawed. No matter what you think of the analysis we talked about before, this was not a live controversy and it was improvidently granted. It was, it dealt with no real controversy. It was an improper party before the court and the facts of it show that when asked to actually provide a controversy for the court to rule on, the party fabricated it. How can I just ask a really stupid question? Mm-hmm. How is this allowed to exist? Like, how is this allowed to stand and just? <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So normally, if you if you lie to the court and make shit up, judges don't like that. Yeah. So if in a normal course of action, you would be sometimes given a chance to fix it if the judge is kind and says this is a good faith error. Like, oh, maybe you listed the wrong person. Can you find an actual person? And this time, please provide significantly more documentary (laughs) evidence than you did last time. Yeah. Right? Because guess what? The court does not trust you as much as they did before. Weirdly, the court does not operate on vibes. Yeah. They do not. uh, uh, And they tend to operate on trust but verify. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. If the judge is feeling particularly ornery or you continue to not provide what the judge wants or you continue to fabricate, what will often happen is that your case will be dismissed with prejudice, meaning you cannot bring it again. Because if you dick around with the courts, you're not supposed to get rewarded for it. You're supposed to be slapped down and slapped down hard. So I think that what should have happened and I think what would have been reasonable is the court just should have dismissed this with prejudice. Right. You don't have standing. There is no party here. You made it up. And then you and possibly and then the plaintiff and possibly counsel should be sanctioned. Yeah. Right. Because guess what? You're supposed to be sanctioned if you deliberately try to mislead or lie to the court. I, I, I'm I am so fascinated by this just forwards and backwards. Right. Because it's it. I, I keep saying and maybe this is just like my. um uh Pollyanna-ness speaking, but like all of these decisions really strike me as kind of like the desperate caged animal, like striking out, like trying to bite the Teflon glove when it's like, bitch, you're already in the trap. Like, you know what I mean? I actually Uh, view it the other way. I view this as an ascendant conservative majority that's feeling itself and thinks it's bulletproof. Yeah. I view this as the start that they're just like, they're setting the groundwork for overturning or just outright negating anti-discrimination laws writ large. Yep. Um, and so that might be historically like, you know, a hundred years from now, we might be like, this was the last, this was like the false dawn uh, for the intolerant right in the United States. I think long term that you, your analysis may be completely right. But I think in over the next couple decades, I think they're feeling themselves and they're going to be going even farther, which is why I noted the 6-3. I emphasize that this was 6-3 because even uh, Roberts and Kavanaugh, who have been more uh, – who have been less sort of gung-ho about 
burning down the entirety of the 20th century. They signed on to this obviously horrifically flawed uh, opinion. And I want to note this is one Roberts did not give to himself. He gave to Justice Gorsuch. I think there are good reasons for that. Um, But like in a normal course, and I think that if this had not been before the Supreme Court, if the conservatives on the Supreme Court had not been super stoked about producing the outcome that they produced, they would recognize the issues here. They would recognize the problems with this particular case. I The reason I think that they just are feeling themselves now is they're just like, what are you going to do about it? I, you know, I've had, I've seen some of the most brain fucking dead takes about the changes we're, we're Matt. We we the American voting public has the attention span of a goldfish, and I mm-hmm. might even say a lobotomized goldfish, mm-hmm. because it has been it has killed me the last few days watching some otherwise very intelligent people say the following dumb shit. I can't believe under a um, uh, Democratic president and Democratic Senate, I lost my this person had like lost their health care and then like all this stuff, like lost my abortion rights. And I'm like, bitch, this is what happens when you think Hillary Clinton's lame and Donald Trump gets to appoint a bunch of young, you know, uh, Bircher justices who are going to stay on the bench for 30, 40 fucking years. Like you dumb motherfuckers, like, when we said, when Hillary Clinton tweeted word for word, a Trump appointed conservative SCOTUS could roll back all of our rights that we fought hard for in the last hundred years, she meant the, exactly that shit. That's yeah. exactly what she meant. And it's yeah. welcome to it, you know? And that's, it's like a really shitty told you so. Um, yeah, it's the worst. This is the this is yeah. all the worst, Matt. Every every post Trump told you so feels fucking horrible. It's like yeah. when you only poop half of a turd back out and you feel your body like draw the turd back up in. You're like, no, 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 no. I want you to come out. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's it's worse than if it hadn't even at all. Yes, yes. <laughs> right. Um, and I, I that's not the analogy I would have chosen, but it is evocative. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but like. I, I want like I want to lay down a marker here for our listeners that like anyone who's trying to happy talk you about this is fucking full of it. Like yeah. I understand that they're psychologically trying to cope with this because I understand how scary this is and rage inducing. And I know that we all want to think that this, you know, that it, everything happens for a reason. The arc of history bends toward justice. I'm just like, mm. Well, it depends on how long you got to live and where on the argument, like sometimes it bends backwards. Sometimes it bends toward injustice. And like, I was looking at recent projections on how soon it's given normal lifespans and presidential trends and stuff like that. How soon we will get rid of the conservative supermajority on the court and best estimates are somewhere in the 2050s. That sounds about right. At which point I will be solidly, you know, almost 70, meaning I will have spent pretty much other than the brief shining, I guess shining, the brief lukewarm uh, era of the uh, Obama presidency, right? Um, Living in an era in which things get worse. Yeah. Right. And so 
and therefore most of my career will be not trying to make progress, but simply trying to limit the damage. Yep. So I don't take like I like the old phrase, like in the long run everyone's dead. <laughs> like right now I'm not feeling particularly long run about these things. I'm feeling very acutely aware of how many people are gonna be harmed. Yeah. Over the next 30 years or so and how bad it's going to get. And like there is, you know, the, the, the old political saws like that are still happen to be true is that like elections have consequences and every election is the most important election of your life. Yeah. Like I know that's not inspiring, but that doesn't make those things less true. Um, I, have this is as close as I'm going to get to like a paranoid conspiracy theory. Um, but I see a lot of stuff from leftists and progressives that are like making a meme out of like vote to save democracy. And it's like, Oh my God, you like, I don't necessarily think it's like Russian propaganda or whatever, or like right-wing propaganda, but like, I do think that like left-wing cynicism has gotten like kind of trendy and like popular. Mm -hmm. It's like very popular and like, Hey, listen, I don't like Joe Biden. Like when I, when Joe Biden got the nomination, you, me, everybody else, we know had a deep, had had to grab a cold drink and sit in the dark and just (sighs) sigh into the middle distance. You know, I, I, I feel that, but this idea of like, falling into this ideological trap where it's just like, yeah, I'm just like giving up on the process. Cause like, <laughs> you know how it is. And it's like, I feel like Matthew, I'm going to scream and pull out all my hair and that I need to keep a screaming bag in on my mm. person at all times. So I can just, ah! and, yeah. and I don't know. I understand everyone's frustration. I share it with you. Things happening on a federal level and this was like a big turning point in my political sort of development as, as a person, like consensus generally is really hard. There's like this joke in Danish culture that like everybody has to agree. So like a bunch of shit never gets done because everybody has to agree with it culturally. Like that's one of their values. And we don't have that as a cultural value and we're still trying to get everybody to agree. Right. So it just takes a really long time and it, I was thinking about our, our parents' generation in Vietnam um, a couple days ago and why our parents are so knee-jerk conditioned about communism. Like communism mm-hmm. is like their, you know, it's like a Manchurian candidate style word. But if you think about being that age and a bunch of people you probably knew died in a jungle to stop communism, like... Yeah. You need that justification because otherwise all those people that you knew in your neighborhood who just got drafted one day died for no reason. Right. And like yeah. part of it is you're not going to take that away from people. So part of progress is also waiting for certain generations to die off. You know, I think this sort of like psychological defense, having to feel like things happened for justifiable reason or that you're the heroes plays in a role on the left here yeah. as well. That like, I think a lot of people who were who like expected the rest of us to do the right thing and prevent Trump from uh, uh, from getting into office or whatever it might be. And like ironically voted against, you know, didn't vote for Hillary or whatever, voted third party or wrote in Mickey Mouse or just sat it out just like with an air of studied indifference or ironic detachment. 
accepting the fact that voting would have changed this. Yep. Right. Means that they are partially to blame. Yep. And the bigger the error, I see this also with some Trump supporters, that the bigger the error, the harder it is to psychologically admit that you that you messed up. And you didn't just mess up in a small way, you messed up in a potentially catastrophic way. Yep. So I think to like be ego protective, they're just like, no, it wouldn't have worked anyway, my vote wouldn't have mattered. And, yep. and then admitting in the future that their vote would still matter or, you know, supporting Trump was a bad idea would mean admitting that their past behavior was wrong. So they wind up in a trap of continuing to produce the harm that I think on some level they don't want, but they would rather that bad shit happen to other people than having to take a good firm look in the mirror and be like, I cocked up and I have a lot of work to do to fix that harm. I have a lot of apologies to make. I have a lot of, uh, examination, um, and changes to make in my life, um, both personal and political. Um, that's a really hard thing for people to do. And like, I'll use the analogy here that like, and I'm going to use a light one, uh, (laughs) that it's, there's this old trope in like online shooter games, especially team-based games that the worst player will always be the first one to blame everyone else. (laughs) Always. And uh, I'll use an example for myself that, like, I was playing Overwatch 2, which was a terrible idea, but, like, I'm doing all right. Like, I'm not lighting the world on fire, but my kill-death ratio is something like 35. I've killed – have 35 kills. I've died, like, six times. I'm doing okay. (laughs) One of my teammates who's 5 and 7, meaning he has gotten five kills but died seven times, starts blaming me for the loss. (laughs) And – Sometimes I'm that guy. Sometimes I'm the one dragging the team down. And you know what I do? I apologize. I'm like, sorry, guys. I am terrible today. I don't know what's going on. Like, this is totally my fault. Because, like, (laughs) having been an athlete, having been uh, played games uh, professionally for a while, like, I am able to admit the fact that I suck right now (laughs) without, like, feeling like it tanks my self-worth. Right? (laughs) But the ego protective thing is for the worst person is to start lashing out at everyone else. Yep. And I feel that that's the way when leftists start saying, oh, voting, oh, that's really going to save it. It's like, I'm like, you are the worst player on the team because you literally didn't show up for the game. Yep. Right. That's exactly right. And if you had showed up, we would have won. Yeah. Because this is tug of war, bitch. And like yep. every last individual matters by the way there was a tug of war at the fourth of july th- the fireworks i went to and guess what the team with more people won weird Surprise. surprising yeah. yeah um and uh <laughs> i did get to see a small child lifted in the air by the rope which was hilarious and they were <laughs> unhappy about it um i i like, in fact i just want to yeah. say i described uh I, I quoted that exact same mlk quote about you know everybody believes that like you know, the moral arc of the universe is long, but it bends towards justice, right? Like, I don't even disagree with that. But if I know anything, it's, um, you know, what the archer's principle is, like, when, a, when you shoot an arrow, the mm. arrow actually bends, and it, it flips through the air, it looks like a shark moving through the air. So yeah, it, fle- it, flexes. it flexes. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. It's very cool. Yeah. And so professional archers, 
can understand what the flex range is for their arrows. And, you know, over time you learn to work with that flex and, and get it to, you know, you test your air, your wind, yada, yada. And, um, sometimes I think it's easy to forget that whenever there is progress, there's always going to be the anxious pull against progress every time. That's mm -hmm. one of the most predictable behaviors of anti-progress people and ideas is uh, the overwhelming feeling that other people getting rights is a zero sum game. So if I, if other people get rights, okay. I, rights are removed from me. And with that mindset, I must then pull my rights back by oppressing other people. Right. Mm -hmm. And I always think about the moral arc of the universe as like, there are people on both sides of that trying to push it in multiple directions. Yeah. And like, if you're one of the jackasses sitting off to the sides, like, yeah, pushing's really going to do something. You're just like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> Don't try to tell me you're a good person. Don't try to tell me that you're not the problem when you're literally just the jackass heckling people from the sideline. Like, I'm sorry. You're no better than, the, and a lot of these people like make fun of sports ball or whatever. Yep. I'm like, you're the guy at the Yankees game yelling at the umpire. Like <laughs> no one cares. We all wish you would shut up. Just go away. I, I don't, I, when, uh, when Dobbs came down, um, you know, my first thought every time uh, abortion gets, gets framed obviously as a women's issue, there are plenty of things that, like women's issues or issues that affect, uh, you know, like black people that, white people don't think have anything to do with them. Right. Like, and, and as we all know, like when one group gains rights, we all gain rights. Like this is a, this is a all boats float analogy every time it's never, you know, it's, I don't, if everybody's not familiar with the cut curb principle, it's uh, back in when the ADA first came out, they started cutting curbs so that people in wheelchairs could get up on the sidewalk. And it was intended for people who use wheelchairs, but think about all the other people that benefits, you know, Someone who just had fucking knee surgery, someone who, you know, an old granny in a walker, whatever, whatever. So uh, the restoration of rights to people benefits us all. And I think why the reason that this just kills me is this has such intense vibes of I never thought the line would eat my face as the person who voted lines eating faces party 2024. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And there's going to be a moment when all the people who are just like, well, it's like they gave for, came for gay marriage websites, <laughs> but I did not want a gay marriage website, so I stayed silent. I'm like, there are going to be cases coming down about denying service for any number of reasons. Yep. And, and the line that they've drawn is it needs to be expressive in some case. Yep. But as you noted, like this was not particularly expressive. It's a fucking stock website where you're using like, like there's a lot more copy and paste going on in these things than people want to admit. And so, like, there are a lot of things that arguably could be extremely similar that most of us uh, do not think, would not even consider um, to be, to fall within that level of expressiveness or self-expression. And I, I also want to say that, like, talking about the ADA, one of the things that the ADA did is that it gave it affirmative responsibility on businesses who aren't in, like, historical buildings yeah. to be handicap accessible. And the reason there's an affirmative duty that there, we don't have to wait, right, for a handicapped person to try to access the store before the store is 
of acquired to try to make itself handicap accessible. Um, the reason is they don't want the world to be a mind a minefield for people with disabilities. Yeah. Otherwise, you would need someone to be denied service for potentially months or years before the place was accessible to anyone. So if you were a handicapped person and you didn't have this guarantee, you would never know where you could go. The world becomes hazardous. Yep. And what the Supreme Court has essentially done now, now it's for, for gay couples, but I think it's going to be for many, many other people, myself included, and probably you as well. Yep. Um, the world is going to become a minefield. We're not going to know when we go somewhere whether or not the person's actually going to serve us. And like, I don't want, you use the haircut analogy, like I don't want to be able to go to the barber like with my partner and be like, sorry, I don't, I have strong personal opposition to same-sex, to interracial couples, and therefore um, I'm not going to serve you. I don't, this is not the world that I think most of us want to live in, but that is the world that we're inching toward. And I think the even more dystopian view is that the court might rule that this essentially only applies to white Christians. Yep. I'll be interested to see... Um, I'll be interested to see what happens with the cases that get brought um, by, say, for example, Muslims or Satanists about denying service uh, to white Christians and see how the court comes out uh, in those cases. I hope that they're just like, hey, we cocked up. Let's not do this. But I I think that's not the way it's going to go. There's a great scene. Uh, Tignataro, the uh, comedian, uh, has this kind of semi-autographical autobiographical um series um called one mississippi and there's mm-hmm. this moment where tig goes to the hospital to see i don't know what tig's uh pronouns are they they them i don't know anyway goes to see uh i love i love that um nope she her okay so tignataro goes to the hospital in the show um to see her stepdad and mm-hmm. she is there with another woman. And if you don't know, Tignataro is like very like outwardly, um, you know, mask dressing, like, you know, mm-hmm. um, and she goes up to the window and she says, I need to know where my stepdad is. And this fucking cunt behind the counter is like, obviously gives her a bunch of attitude. And she's like, this is a Christian hospital and eventually asks them to leave. And she will not tell her where her own stepdad's hospital room is. Mm-hmm. So her brother comes out and she goes, oh, there he is. There's my man. And he, she, uh, the woman behind the counter is like, I don't understand. She's like, well, it's a choice, right? So I'm I'm straight now. So you have to tell me where my dad's room is. I choose to be straight. So now you have to tell me. And her brother comes out. And she goes, oh, there he is. There's my big hairy man. Would it be better if it's my brother? Would you prefer it be my brother husband? Would that make this okay? If he's my brother husband, will you tell me where my fucking stepdad's hospital room is? And, you know, like, that's obviously Tig... Uh, um, you know, making that as funny as humanly possible, even mm-hmm. though it's semi autobiographical. So I'm sure this really happened. Um, yeah. You know, like that's exactly the scenario that you're painting. That's, mm-hmm. you know, my friend, Eric, Eric and Russ have been together there. There are, you know, they're your fun aunt and uncle. You know what I mean? Like take, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, uh, Russ and um, Oh my God. I already forgot my own friend's name, but anyway, uh, they, this decision came down when they were on vacation in Palm Springs, which as we all know is, uh, you know, one of the uh, gay vacation, vacation capitals of the world. 
highly encourage everybody to go there. Um, but he was like, you know, I'm in Palm Springs now, but I'm about to go home to Indiana. And I just mm. hope that I can get coffee at the, you know, I hope that, and just went through all, all of the scenarios in which like, I hope that my, you know, our Russ is a real estate agent. Like I hope our customers still want to work with Russ. You know what I mean? Like this mm-hmm. endangering someone's income, their daily life, and more importantly, just like their human dignity at every turn um, is, yeah. is something that every single person on the Supreme court uh that is on the conservative Supreme court has probably never experienced. And again, I've said this on Instagram, which is like, if you want to play this game, we can play this game, but it is going to end up in the most tribalized Mm -hmm. divided. Like this is one of those decisions that makes me wonder, like, are we sort of destined for a, you know, civil war North South Mm. division? You know what I mean? I agree that like, there's no, the only way to win this game is to not play. Yeah. Right. And the problem is that it's being forced. Right. That like we are not asking for this. We are happy to serve whoever. We are not the ones looking to do this sort of tit for tat. But like other but not playing at this point means basically just getting run over and being a second class citizen. Like, yeah. uh, So it's left like there are no I'm going to say there are no good options here other than flipping the Supreme Court and getting this done and getting it reversed because. This is the because I want to note here that like if a barista says this is art and I think that there's arguably more artistic uh, content or self-expression in making uh, a drink than there is in making a wedding website um, or at least similar amounts, um, this will be the first time essentially since segregation that the Supreme Court will say, and they have a constitutional right to to deny you service. Yeah. And that to me is, because they can make the same argument that like making you a piece of my art is condoning your lifestyle. And I don't want to be saying that I'm condoning your lifestyle, even though all I'm making is a fucking leaf on your drink, you know, uh, just making a leaf for, for, you know, an interracial couple or a gay couple or whatever is promoting that lifestyle. Um, that is a bad world. I don't yeah. think. <laughs> Sorry, don't sometimes think, your, yeah. your, your simple, beautiful phrasing uh, catches me <laughs> off guard. I mean, I am. The, the reason we started here is that I want with this case, although there are a lot to choose from and we will get to them is that I think this one has just much farther reaching consequences and we can spin it out. And none of this is pie in the sky. All of this is just simple extensions of the principle. And we're going to start seeing these cases brought. Um, If I haven't paid attention because I've been trying to preserve my sanity, if they haven't already been filed already. And as we said before, now you don't even need an actual case or controversy. You can just be scared of it in your own little mind. I, th- that that is the part of it that's that frightens me the most because if we know anything about conservatives is that they love to put up stand cardboard standees of their greatest fears and then go scream in the corner and pretend it's all real right like i you know I mean, the number the the i've said this before but the moms for liberty had a meeting where they brought up the scientific fact that seahorses male seahorses are the ones who give birth which is just like that's just biology as it's always been and said that they need to ban books about seahorses because it encourages 
kids to think that men can give birth. Like, you know oh, what I'm that's... saying? These are people who are frightened of reality as it exists and has always existed. And now have the freedom to sort of, you know, a tabula rasa. Let's go crazy with all like painting portraits of the things that we're afraid of. So, <laughs> um, that's incredibly dumb. I hate them. Um, <laughs> they, they make me angry because they make me worry about things that I should not worry about because they are so stupid. Yeah. Um, like, I also, I have to say that, like, this, this is not the main point, but it is something that I just want to get off my chest is that, like, one of the reasons why I really, and I, I, I assume you revere the heroes of the civil rights era is that they braved death, yeah. <laughs> violence, uh, significant legal repercussions and, uh, and did so because that was what they needed to do. They had to break the law. They had to face this, yeah. this violence and oppression to be able to bring suit, to sway public opinion. Yeah. They paid the price often in blood for progress. And yet rolling it back requires nothing more than like, a fear of the boogie monster in the dark. Yeah. I had the, I mean, the identical same thought about vaccines, like, you know, back in the Victorian era, mothers, Ooh, it's going to make me emotional to talk about mothers would lose so many babies. They, you know, we, we all, all obviously know that people had a lot of kids cause they would die. Um, if you really think about that in the modern terms, like when we think about a person losing one child, it, you know, you, there's no doubt that that's the single most devastating thing that will ever happen to them. Right. And, uh, during this period when they found out that, uh, these milkmaids who would get contact with cowpox were not getting, uh, smallpox mothers who didn't have transportation, like we're talking about poor people. We're talking about like farmers would walk for miles 10 miles 20 miles they would take their kids and walk them down to these dairy farms peel some scabs off of some cows and stick it up their kids nose because god please don't let me lose one more baby i just want to keep one one could i have three out of six babies please you know yeah and now <laughs> now we have people who are protesting vaccine sites for a respiratory pandemic and all of all of this seems like such a disgusting spit right in the face mm -hmm. of people who, like you said, died. They died for this progress, you know? And <laughs> this is a more meta point, but I look also at like technology and the the incredible wealth that we have. And like we could live in a borderline utopia. <laughs> yeah. Like without really much change. Yeah if we were just better, if humans were fairer and more equal and cooperated more, we, we don't need to do that much. Uh, but, we but, just need to like, stop trying to send billionaires into space and instead <laughs> distribute resources equitably. And like, suddenly we don't have hung massive famine globally. We have childhood education. Like we can do it. We have the ability. And instead we're fucking fighting over about, non-existent gay marriage websites like yeah. it it when people ask me why sometimes why i'm depressed i'm like well partially like biology but also because like 
instead of solving real problems, we're literally right now just trying to stop people who are scared of imaginary shit yeah. from ruining everything. Like, yeah, you, yeah. You, you took the thought out of my head when you started with like, you know, we could distribute things equally. And if, if only we could be more gentle, more cooperative when like, we know what makes people more gentle and cooperative, it's having their needs met, right? Like yeah. it's not, it's like, if you put, 10 rats in a trash can with one McDonald's cheeseburger. Eventually the rats are going to get into a horrible bloody, bloody fight over the scraps of cheeseburger. If you put two rats in a trash can full of cheeseburgers, they will eat until they die and never harm each other. You know what I mean? Um, They did these rat studies. um, Oh, makes, this is another one that's like going to make me a little bit emotional, but they were trying to figure out like, why, why would someone do cocaine until they died? Like, and they put these rats that were addicted to cocaine. They addicted the rats to cocaine and they put them in this huge environment. It was full of plants. It had like toys. It had like stimulation. They put them in there with um, other rats that they knew they got along with, like rats that they built stable connections with. And the rats stopped taking the cocaine. Oh, it makes mm-hmm. me want to cry. Like I, I used to watch um, uh, Intervention. It was one of my favorite shows, not because I liked gawking at this person in this terrible situation, but they all had some terrible, fucking horrible thing that happened to them. And you could trace back all this destructive behavior back to this one thing they didn't get support for, you know? Mm-hmm. And to your point, it just killed me that we have America is the capital of deaths of despair. And because we choose that, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. It kills me. And, and if, and I guess like where I keep coming out is that like, like this woman also like this woman thinks of herself as a hero. Mm-hmm. Like she's like, I'm a civil rights icon. <laughs> I don't have to know. Now no one has to make websites for gay couples if they don't want to. <laughs> and she has suffered nothing. She has no. lost nothing. She has sacrificed nothing. And I just have to say that like, if you want to know who your heroes are, look at what they actually risk. Yeah. Look at what they're willing to sacrifice. And and honestly, this is the opposite of sacrifice. Like yeah. in the right wing grievance culture where the, the fastest way to build a following is to say like, I'm being oppressed. I'm being yeah. oppressed by all this progressivism. Look how oppressed I am. And Tucker Carlson will run to your aid and say something, you know, uh, in, in this cadence on TV yeah. <laughs> on your behalf. And then, you know, you're, you're up a hundred thousand followers overnight and you've got more business than you know what to do with. Like yeah. this woman only gains from participating in this fucking farce. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just want to note again, as always frozen food air Tucker Carlson, <laughs> uh, <laughs> because we must always think of him as the frozen food TV King. Yeah. He's uh, got, now, he's... I guess the, not Twitter King. <laughs> He's the bow tie Schwan boy. That's what I'm, yeah. that's what I like to think of him as. <laughs> um, but let's, let's move on here because I don't want to be in this mind space anymore. Uh, <laughs> so talk to me about uh, uh, social media and the federal government. What's going on? I am dying to finally, I want to know what the sort of, um, Oppenheimer like flash of bright 10,000 suns daylight that is going to be the final blink out of Twitter. But mm-hmm. over the weekend, um, so 
Google Cloud um, is responsible for um, uh, hosting. Okay, so uh, let me just read this to you. Twitter's hosting contact with Google Cloud expired on June 30th. So Elon is also taking the very, very, very Trump. Sorry, uh, if uh, please watch our uh, live stream if you want to see Benny because he is killing the game right now. Um, so Elon doesn't pay his bills, right? That's very Trumpian of him, right? Like if he doesn't want to, he stopped paying his landlord, so he's defaulted mm-hmm. and been um, uh, kicked out of multiple commercial properties. Um, this is after he's fired everybody. So he fired everybody, quit paying them and then quit paying the leases. So all these landlords are also going to sue Elon Musk. And I mean, a, uh, a legal, the, the, the legality of your lease contract is one of the few things that's like, no, you got to pay it. Like you really just, there's kind of only one thing to do and it's pay it or buy it out. And he didn't do either of those things. (laughs) So, um, Word is that Elon has been trying to move everything off so he doesn't have to pay the reported $1 billion bill. So keep in mind, Twitter tweets exist all over the place, right? Like one of the main functionalities of Twitter is you can copy the link and embed the tweet in all bunch, all, all kinds of things. So journalists use them. Um, so with tremendous foresight, Elon blocked access to non-accounts yesterday in an attempt to mitigate the damage or negotiate lesser user, lesser usage fees. Instead, this caused the embedded tweets in every website to fail to load and instead retry again and again and again, (laughs) resulting in a self-inflicted denial of service event from everywhere. Uh, Elon is now imposing a temporary view limit. So it's uh, 600 uh, tweets for uh, non-paying users and 6,000 tweets for paying users. Uh, he's decided to try to use a situation to sort of bend people over to sell subscriptions. Um, and okay. So, uh, now, uh, Google retaliated against Twitter, um, and removed the vast majority of Twitter's links from its search results. Mm. Um, so the way I found out about this is over the weekend, we had a power outage. My power got knocked out. Um, in fact, a pole, uh, snapped in my backyard. It was very exciting. Um, and I was trying to log in to see AES's Twitter feed, which was like the most updated, you know, like it's, it's, that was one of its main uses. It literally like created or, or uh, facilitated the Arab Spring, right? Like this is a yep. powerful social utility and it, <clears throat> it wasn't loading it. Like you could always click through to the public Google result and see the tweet. And yep. all of a sudden it was prompting me to log in. And my question to you um, is, does this make the case given how companies use it mm-hmm. as a utility for mm-hmm. the government to sue uh, Musk to keep the, the public tweets public. I would probably argue no. And the reason is actually something that just happened. Hmm. And that would be the launch of uh, Instagram threads. Yes. That the fact, so the, the thing with public utilities is that they're predicated on the idea of, the economic concept of a natural monopoly. Yeah. And so a natural monopoly is essentially uh, a mar- a condition where having multiple competitors doesn't make sense. So for example, a road to your house is what we would consider a natural monopoly. You do not get additional utility from having two roads that lead, that lead in directly into your house, like two driveways. Uh, you are far better served by having a single one or yeah. a water line. You don't want to have to build multiple competing uh, uh, 
uh, water systems or electrical systems or uh, internet systems, right, to your home. You want one that works. So this is why these utilities are regulated because they're granted monopolies essentially by the state because of the conditions of the market. Uh, And in doing so, they have to abide by severe and strict regulations because they're essentially a creature of uh, of, of the government. I think in this case, I do not think that Twitter is a natural monopoly. Hmm. And the and I actually changed my mind on this recently because of the way that Musk has fuck, cocked everything up and we've yeah. seen a rise of alternatives. Yeah, I think that it would make a lot of sense to have a single Twitter sort of alternative. But given that the government can interact with multiple social networks and most people should at this point, I think are part of multiple social networks. Um, they, it's not necessary to treat Twitter as a monopoly because I think what consumers are starting to realize with the Twitter debacle, that being on a single social network or relying on it exclusively is a terrible idea. Yeah. And so I think what's going to happen moving forward is that, the government can simply be savvier. Just try to use multiple outlets to communicate with the public, whether it's threads or Instagram or TikTok or Facebook or whatever the new thing is, they should be on all of those uh, platforms, blasting the information and reaching as broad an audience so that if Elon does an Elon and fuck something up because he's a terrible engineer and he doesn't know any better, it won't matter because the uh, in the future people just be like, well, I'll just go a hop onto Threads or yeah. a hop onto Insta, and I know it will be there. Yeah. Um, and, or like, and I think the government hasn't done a great job. I think they've overly relied on Twitter to disseminate this information. But I think it's a pretty it's a pretty simple fix, and we don't need to like sort of change the regulatory status here. Maybe in the future, if they all merge into you know Twitter Threads insta talk like yeah um but i think at the moment not necessarily um although i i reserve the right as we see additional mergers and lack of competition to change my mind because again i think this is a case where a little bit of economics is super super helpful in understanding um the legal situation so for those of you we didn't know anything about natural monopolies. Now you know why having multiple toll roads is dumb as fuck. And any libertarian who tries to tell you otherwise is a moron. I, I also like, I hope, and I think it is putting to bed. Finally, everyone's um, sort of conflation of wealth with intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I hope it was worth it to Musk to be the king of the edgelords for the 10 or so minutes that he got to really revel in that little shaft of sunlight as it passed over his face, uh, his pasty, pasty face. And um, it's a $44 billion. Like I've, I, one time, Matt, this is so stupid. I thought I was going to get into the small time jewelry flipping business, not knowing goddamn thing about gemstones. Mm-hmm. So I paid seven hundred dollars for this huge i mean obnoxious citrine ring it was beautiful and it had like this elaborate setting except i don't know shit about fuck about gemstones Mm -hmm. so i then took it to a separate appraiser who informed me that all these websites that sell gemstones can just tell you they're worth whatever the fuck they decide they're worth like you know Mm -hmm. there is 
certain gem certification companies and they can just kind of make up their own and tell you that it has, you know, X number of value. And it was only worth about two thirds of what I had paid for it in reality, Mm -hmm. like on the actual open market. And I said, so I got fucked. And he said, yeah. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Musk is the kind of person who like McDonald's when they tried to release bone in chicken wings. I don't know if you heard about this, but, um, Mm -hmm. Bone in chicken wings, you know, the reason that they use goop is because you can take all parts of the chicken, goop it, and then make it into, you know, your belly, your boots, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, a chicken wing can only be one thing. It's a whole product. It's a it's a whole muscle product. And McDonald's bought so many chicken wings that they uh, created artificial scarcity and priced themselves out of the chicken wing market and immediately had to stop that. And that is mm-hmm. exactly what Elon Musk has just done. And it <laughs> is incredible. And the difference is that you lost a couple hundred bucks. Yeah. My man. You didn't. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say my man's sitting on a, a, a small, a small country's GDP amount of, oh, fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, there's a billion dollar bill. That you talked about. Yeah. This is something he should be able to pay. Should be. Uh, should be. And uh, I just have to say, <laughs> meanwhile, it, it, it has come to my attention um, that the uh, Zuckerberg-Musk super fight may, may in fact be back on. Fuck yes. There was footage of each of them training. God damn it. Um, and uh, I have to say that um, Musk is substantially taller. He's 6'2". <laughs> compared to Zuckerberg's 5'7", and probably has about 40 pounds, if not more. Uh, but it's not the good kind of I was going to say, yeah. But he's substantially older. He's like 15 years older. And I think the bigger problem is that Zuckerberg has been training uh, in combat sports for quite some time. Yes, he has. And uh, I have to say that, like, watching the footage, because I was morbidly curious, um, Musk looks... Like a complete amateur. And I have to say that like Zuckerberg doesn't look like a pro, but he looks pretty good. Like he looks like somebody you'd be like, oh, you know what? I'm actually not gonna me off the street. I'm gonna actually pass fighting this gentleman. Exactly. And like his striking's <laughs> okay, but his grappling's surprisingly advanced. And like good for him, I guess, for like taking something seriously. Um I mean but, like we can all admit though that like the main difference here, we're about to see the play out, the classic play out of like discipline versus dilettante and mm-hmm. uh, like confident dilettante versus like robotic. Uh, like this is me and my sister, like in a nutshell, which is like you give my sister a task that she it doesn't matter if she likes it or hates it. Like she, you're like, you have to win this thing. She's like, OK, OK. Uh-huh. And then she'll become an expert at it like. When she wanted to get into medical school, and I say this with 100% admiration, I wish I had this in me, but she, you know, graduated with a, a degree in neurosciences and wanted to go to medical school. And every medical school was like, fuck you. Like, you don't, that's not a pre-med degree. And I, you said, you know what, if you take an accelerated master's degree, if you get your master's in biology in one calendar year, we will consider letting you in. And she said, Okay. And mm-hmm. went and she aced that fucking master's in biology, studied so hard one time that she forgot to drink water, got parotiditis, which is when your parotid glands oh, get uh, cool, swollen. And she looked like Mr. Big Head from Rocco's Modern Life. <laughs> but I mean, yep. like she sacrifices. That's that's the point is like to win on the Zuck level. You have to be willing to sacrifice your sanity, your mm-hmm. body, like the shape of your head. 
Uh, and uh, that person always is going to beat the person who's like, wouldn't this be hilarious if I did this? It's like, it's going to be a lot less hilarious when this person is pummeling you in the fucking face because they've had a doll that had your face planted on it and they've <laughs> been striking it over and over and over until three o'clock in the morning, you know? Yeah. Uh, I think it's more likely that Zuck will bring it to the ground and then choke Elon out. I think that's <laughs> the most, the, the, I mean, I would say that's the highest probability outcome uh, in this situation. And like, uh, I have to say, I, I'm here for it. I want them to do it. Um, that Italy has uh, offered the Coliseum as uh, a potential venue. <laughs> And that is that is Sarah wheezing, by the way, into the microphone. Um, and I is, just have to say, is that not evidence a, of how bad we all want this? Yeah, but like, I think that this should be donated to some charity. Just like, choose one. I don't fucking care. But like, make this uh, a charitable event, and whoever wins that contract, I don't care. Whoever wins that thing is going to end up with like a pile of cash, and like. I think they should make it happen. I really, I really do. That it would be much better than the YouTube personalities boxing each other. Like, this is really the fight the world wants to see. Oh my God. Now I just got the overwhelming. I saw this um, video of this guy who was like hanging in there. He was doing, I think it was jujitsu. And then all of a sudden this little, the little guy, he's fighting this little guy, little guy just jumps around on his back and rear naked chokes him. And the guy just like immediately taps out. And when he lets go, the other, the big dude just has this like dazed, confused look on his face. Like what the fuck just happened? And now the idea of Zuck, especially if he's got his full geisha mask of sunscreen that he loves to wear. um, Just the idea of him, like with his psycho, like robot lifeless eyes as Elon has that panic, what the fuck just happened look on his face. Uh, you're right. I really, really, really want to see it. I was, I was going to say, at first I, I I was soured on it. Now I have, as the evidence has come forward, I like desperately want this to happen. <laughs> so I'm just saying whoever's out there, Dana White, I hate you. But like if the UFC has to get involved, like go for it. Just make sure that the revenue gets donated to a good cause and like, but let's make this happen because honestly we need something funny uh, to happen Please. in 2023 and uh this could be this could be an event that brings the whole world together like we used to do oxfam we used to do hands across america we we were the world and we can be the world again matt i just need to see these i i know i know in my heart of hearts it really will end up like the the colin firth fight in bridget jones diary where it's just yeah. going to be a lot of you know, sliding around on flat soled dress shoes, but nonetheless, I gotta see it. Yeah, and we will live stream it. If it happens, <laughs> we will fucking change our schedules. Oh. We will live stream commentary for we this. We are live streaming commentary. We're gonna wear formal wear. We're gonna treat it like like an old Tyson fight. I will find yes. I'll, I'll get my rabbit fur coat <laughs> out. I will set up a lighting scheme. I'll put up my green velvet curtains. Mm-hmm. I want this badly. We will have my brother will come in as a guest host since he's <laughs> like a, a combat sports aficionado. He'll provide commentary. Um, we might have a, what his best friend provide, who's like a sommelier. He'll provide like drinks for us throughout the evening to make this extra classy. And then, uh, honestly, then um, it will be the greatest night of all of our lives. And yeah. I have to say, what will be even better are the meme games afterward. Oh. Like after Elon gets choked out. Twitter is going to be 
in absolute paradise. Do you know what I really, do you know what I loved about the unfortunate Titan submersible situation is for one brief weekend, we all came together and said, fuck them fools. And I really yeah. like that. Yeah. I think that also <laughs> when, when Trump got COVID, that was another <laughs> uh, shining moment of solidarity for the world. So I just say like, if, if Zuckerberg, if Zuck and, and Musk want to do something good for the world, Fight, humiliating fight, themselves fight. and getting the shit kicked out of each other, kicking the shit out of each other is the single greatest humanitarian act either of them will ever do in their stupid, stupid lives. God, what a great, what a great lesson and visual too for any young person who's like, <clears throat> I would like to become a titan of industry so I can dominate everybody to watch these two like pasty middle-aged men just have the worst and most embarrassing fight and then be like, oh, you know what? I actually think I'm going to be a teacher because... Yuck, you know? And maybe it would be even better if then the winner, then in like a couple months, had to do a follow-up with an actual fighter. You know, because they'll have the inflated ego. They're going to be like, I'm ready to take this to the big time. It'll be like the middle school play where after the curtain falls, they're like, let's go to Broadway. Everybody (laughs) wants to see this. Like everyone wants wants to see our amazing version of The Crucible. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And it'll be that. And I will like, it'll be the even better equivalent of when uh, Jake, uh, Jake Paul, I think, fought an actual boxer instead of a streamer and got pasted. Uh, and, I like, know. Like, we, we need this. Like, history has been so bad recently. Yeah. Like, give us, give us this, please. I need billionaires punched in the face. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. And with that. Speaking of uh, getting punched in the face, but this time by flavor. Um, what's been going on at Metal Honey? What's going on this summer? Um, I did something really dumb last night, and um, I got this like uh, I got this wild hair up my ass that I was going to take all. When I'm done making scorpion honey, you end up with like mm, roughly two pounds of honey soaked large grain, uh, like chopped up scorpion peppers, and I said. Mm-hmm. I have a RoboCoop. If you don't know what that is, it's a motorcycle engine attached to a food processor. It's literally like one and a half horsepower. And so I decided to feed some of these honey soaked, like they're kind of dry. And what Mm -hmm. it came out with is this texture of a material that is almost taffy. It's like, Mm. it's kind of like a warm taffy. So what I think I'm going to do with it is I'm going to turn it into little droplets and put it in the center of a coffin shaped chocolate and call it a sky burial. Uh, you can oh, get high and have a little, have a little brief moment of death oh. and we'll do it as a challenge. Um, still working out how to, who, who I want to pair it with, but I think that's, what's going to happen to it. That is genius. <laughs> I think, I feel like you have to eat that and then they take a shot of like hard alcohol or something yes. like that. Yeah. It was either that or I was going to, that's exactly it. I was either that or I was going to infuse some whiskey with it. Yeah. I like the idea of having to take that with like a shot of whiskey or something like that. And then like, you're really feeling the burn. I love it. I love this idea. Hi, Daryl. This is, this is great. That to me is a premium product. Yeah. That, I decided Skype. I really, I wanted to, um, personally, I wanted to have a Viking funeral, but then I realized that setting a body on fire in a body of water is probably not the most environmentally, um, responsible. 
So now I want to be sky buried, which if you don't know what that is, that's what they do in uh, uh, countries with really high altitudes and a lot of uh, permafrost. And they just take your body up on a mountain and birds pick it apart. And I fucking love that. Yeah. <laughs> Although you have to, uh, after you cremate me, you have to take me into a giant, ca- put my ashes in a giant cannon and shoot me into the sun. Just Abs- so you to. know. Yes. Okay. Happy to. I'm just, I'm just letting you know. Um <laughs> And uh, I have to say, uh, over the 4th, I was eating a burger that we had just grilled with American cheese because, you know, America. Got to. Um, You know, but the thing I was missing and I was very sad is I didn't have burger jam. Damn. And yeah, and that's what I was missing. That is a new thing. We switched our burger jam packaging. They're six ounce jars. So they were going out in 12 ounce jars. That's way too much. That's way Mm -hmm. too much. So they're half size. And the best part is when you try to get the bottom out of the 12 ounce, um, we put them in uh, something uh, called a Paragon jar, which means it's tall and skinny. The knife couldn't get all the way down the bottom. You get all over your hand. It's awful. So these short jars are short little squatty guys. Knife goes all the way to the bottom. Clean that motherfucker out and then get a fresh one. Exactly. So this is for all the short kings out there. Uh, <laughs> you got your burger jam. That sounds amazing. And uh, I have to say, I am going to be introducing, I have a friend who's a big foodie and yeah. we're going to be having uh, some fun with uh, all, we're going to try all the different times. We're going to be trying the sweet stinger and the scorpion honey yes. uh, and the vernal elixir. We're going to be uh, having some fun with those uh, when we're going to be grilling next time. So just awesome. giving you the heads up. So please go to metalhoney.com, correct? Yes, that's right, metalhoney.com and order. You can use the uh, code Perpetual Stew, and I believe you get free shipping, but I still haven't even checked on that. So go find out yeah. for yourselves. <laughs> so go find out for yourselves. And also, uh, Dolly Pop Gloss. Oh, yeah, that's just for fun. Um, dollypopgloss.com, all natural glosses made with uh, natural oils and gelling agents. So they're not sticky, no liquid plastics, no liquid vinyls. Uh, that's dollypopgloss.com. Yeah. Awesome. So go there, support the show. And as always, like, subscribe, share, uh, Perpetual Stew, go on Twitter, at Perp Stew. Uh, let us know what's going on. We're going to be doing an AMA at the end of the summer. Um, so please, please, please send in those questions, tweet them at us, or you can find us on Facebook. Um, and also, if there if uh, you, there's anybody out there you think will like the show, let them know. Have them subscribe. It helps uh, with the algorithm. Um, but that's going to do it for us this week. Uh, this has been The Perpetual Stew. I'm Matthew Goodman. And I'm Sarah Merle. And until next time, stay curious. Bye.